Hello, welcome to Ignited Youth. We are happy to see you and hope you enjoy our episode today. Connect with us through Instagram at bvcc.youth. If you would like to submit an anonymous question or have a prayer request, please click on the link in the description. Without further ado, here is today's episode. All right, guys, I'm so glad to see you guys. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are actually continuing. We're continuing this series. We're continuing um, this series we've called Warrior. And it, we're, we're tagging this, um, the tagline behind um, this series is fighting the wars within you. And as we've been talking, as we've been discussing last week, we, we said that first Second Timothy was one of the scriptures that we were basing ourselves on that Peter, I mean that Paul, as he is writing to Timothy, he is inviting him to be part of something bigger. And I am just amazed of how many people, how many Christians walk in a very thin line with their faith and they struggle so much. And it, it's, it's just amazing how of a battle we, we are constantly in. And we're always fighting against something and someone. And last week we encouraged you to, that, you know, there's certain codes that the, that the warriors have. There's certain things that warriors do. And we motivated you guys that warriors fight for peace. And that the only reason and the only way we're going to look and experience peace around us is when we get peace inside of our hearts. Until we allow God to bring peace within who we are and in our struggles and in our mind, then we'll be able to bring peace around the people around us. But there are so many other struggles that we're going to be looking at. And today we are going to look at Code 2 and it's a little bit darker than usual, my title, I struggled with trying to find the, the right title, but it just kind of came down to this, is killing your inner cowardness. We got to get rid of that inner cowardness that we have inside of us. Every warrior fights through it. Every person fights through it. Everyone has those voices that discourage you from doing, from going from becoming and I remember the day so clearly because it would define my life for the next 18 years I remember that day so clearly because I thought I had put away I thought I had dealt with certain things and when I was about 20 years old and I was in this ministry as a young pastor, I remember very clearly we were going through a transition in the church, meaning the pastor that was there got hired in another church. And I was there and I was going to take over the church. And it was a tough season because as a young pastor, as a, as a young leader, you don't have really all the answers. You just have all these just enthusiasts to, to serve and, and do the best you can and I remember my my boss at that time in that church brings me into his office and says hey we have a concern and 
I had successfully ungrown the church from about 125 people to about 45 in a week. And people didn't like the change as people never do. And people started leaving the church and starting calling the office saying, you know what, we don't like this change. And I remember sitting there in that office and having my boss in front of me and telling me, we're getting all these phone calls and we just don't know what to do with them. And I said, well, what's, what's the reason? What's, what's, what's the excuse? What, what, what are they saying? And this word changed and put this cloud over me for the next 17, 18 years of my life. He said, they're saying you're unqualified. Not that they didn't like me. Not that they didn't think that it's, you're unqualified. You're, you're, you're not ready. And in that moment, the inner Jerry that I thought that I had left behind through all my insecurities growing up, that, that, that Jerry, that voice inside of me came back and started questioning my calling and started questioning who I was and started questioning my person and started questioning myself and all these doubts and fear started crippling back in and I started wrestling with myself because then I said, man, if they think I'm unqualified and all these fears and, 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 and doubts and I fell back to when people would tell me that I wasn't maybe smart, I wasn't tall enough, I wasn't, just growing up in a, in, in a way where people would disqualify me for a reason or another, that came back. And suddenly I was again this kid that was afraid. And we all have those voices. We all have that inner cowardness that comes out and tells us, you know what, you can't do it. You're not ready. I know people telling you that you're going to do great things, but hold on. Just wait. This is not your season. And there's so many times, guys, that this inner cowardness talks us out of a blessing. There's so many times where this inner cowardness tells us that just hang on a little bit longer because our time is not near and then we miss the things that God wants to do in our lives and so many times we've seen other people get blessed not because they're better not because God loves them more but just because they're available and I'm afraid and I'm scared and there's so many doubts and questions going maybe I'm not smart enough maybe I don't know the Bible a lot maybe I stutter hey maybe I don't have the right vocabulary hey maybe I'm not old enough hey maybe I'm this maybe I'm not that and there's so many things I put and I wrestle and I fight against my inner cowardness and he wins most of the time and this covered for 18 years because after every single ministry that I went I questioned who I was I question how I preached. I question how I prayed. I question if my sermons were good enough or not. I question if I was in the right church with the right people. I question if I looked like I was part of the group. And my wife can tell you and 
People make fun of me all the time as we're at home because I've changed my wardrobe so many times. Why? Because I wanted to fit in to the right church with the right people looking like everyone else because of those insecurities of what I had inside of me. Because maybe I wasn't going to be good enough or I didn't fit in or I didn't look like everyone else in that church and I needed to talk like them and I needed to look like them. And that inner coward Jerry would always win. He would always win. And every time I preach, Sunday after Sunday, I will come off that pulpit, and the first person I will go to was my wife and go, how did I do? How was it? Was it good enough? How did I sound? And that, my, that person, I dealt with them for a long time. And sometimes it felt like it was never enough. And that my fears screamed louder than my faith. And that inner coward needed to go. I just didn't know how. And if I wanted to be a warrior and I wanted to fight and I wanted to do the things God called me to do, it was this person inside of me that I would have to deal and fight with and have a battle every day when I woke up. Because there were times I didn't want to go to church. And there were times I didn't want to lead anymore. And there were times I didn't want to be part of ministry. And there were so many times I just wanted to give up because he would win. The interesting thing is when I see the people that God qualified, they were so unqualified. When I see who God picked, these people that we see as men of faith, these people that founded the church, these people that God used to be, bring revival, so unqualified. Saved nations, so unqualified. Until I learned that I needed to kill that inner cowardness inside of me. Wasn't the day until I moved forward. Broken people God used to full potential. And it was amazing how the world will see the same people and not think anything of them and not even look at them twice and ignore them and go over them and when God looked at them they saw a miracle he saw potential he saw life he saw opportunity he saw creation he saw innovation he saw life he saw fruit and when the world saw them they were just common and what I thought those broken pieces in my life that would disqualify me, I figured out after a while that was exactly the God, what God was going to use to make me who I was. And then we see someone and we're going to look at our, at, our, at our story in Judges. You can open up your Bibles. It's going to be in Judges 6. And it's a very common story. Judges 6, and we're going to start at verse 7. And it's amazing because here in Judges, the story, the backstory, seven years that Gideon and the Israelites have to face this nation. And verse 7 says, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent to them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. 
I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I've rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians. I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites which in whom the land you live in, but you have not listened to me. The Israelites were in a spot where their inner cowardness started, started yelling over God's purposes. He said, don't give in to the idol worshiping. Don't worship, the, don't worship their gods. Don't be the same. And that's where so many of us, we get wrapped. We start listening to our inner cowardness and he starts telling us, hey, if you start worshiping God differently, they're not going to like you. If you start talking about Jesus too much, you'll be a Jesus freak. If you start loving Jesus a little bit more, guess what? You'll be looking at like, like a fanatic. Just don't do it. Mix it. Believe in God, but do his other things too. And that's where the people of God fell. They fell. And for seven years, the Midianites would rob their foods, burn their homes. I mean, these guys were literally kill entire families. And so this is where we find Gideon. This is the midst of Gideon's story. And it's amazing though because in verse 7 says, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord, this wasn't the first time that the Israelites cried out to the Lord. And again, it's giving you a backstory because then it says, as I, as I deliver you from the Egyptians, that's in Exodus 3, 9, when Moses. And the same thing happens there in verse 9, it says, and now they cried out. Israelites had reached, so the cry of the Israelites reached God. That's the same thing as verse 7, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord. Isn't it amazing that when the world cries out for help, he sends somebody within the body of Christ? The thing is, the inner cowardness is going to tell you you're not worthy of it. The inner you is going to tell you you're not ready. You're not smart enough. You can't even open up your Bible in the mornings. What, are you going to go save someone? Yes! Absolutely! Because you don't need a doctor's degree in theology to tell somebody Jesus loves you. Can I pray for you? Can I ask the Holy Spirit to come to you? You don't need years of ministry to tell you that. And every time the world cried out and God's people cried out, God save me, God save me, God save me. Guess what? God answered through someone. The thing was the invitation was there. And they had to fight through that inner cowardice because they felt unqualified. They felt they weren't ready. And Moses had this argument with, with, with God in the burning bush. And so did Gideon. Because then we see there in 11, verse 11, that he is threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. He is working, but he's hiding. Why? Because he's scared. He's scared. And he has a right to. Because as the Midianites were very evil, if you start looking at their story there, commentary says that Gideon lost family members to the Midianites. So he was scared. 
He should be. Then verse 12 says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He's hiding. And this is where Gideon's going to have a hard time with this, guys. He's going to fight. He's going to argue with this inner cowardness. Because your inner cowardness is always going to remind you of the failures of your past. He's always going to tell you and remind you of the things you didn't get to do. The things you missed out of. And we all have those moments. We all have those moments where we're like, man, I should have done that. Man, I should have I gotten that opportunity. Man, I should have I gone there. I should have I been there. I should have been ready. And your failure, your, your, that inner cowardness is going to remind you of all the things you felt. That test you didn't pass? That job that told you you're not ready? I told somebody said that one time they told them they were overqualified for something. They couldn't grab. Just, you know what? You're too overqualified for this. He's like, how does that even happen? How can you overqualify for this, right? When all these things happen, your inner cowardice is going to tell you remind you of your failures in the past and this is what Gideon is wrestling with he's seen his friends die he's seen how the Midianites have came into the town and has has burned their homes robbed them from their from their food verse 14 says the Lord turned to him and said so first came an angel and Gideon's like I think you got the wrong I think you got the wrong house. Because you're looking for a mighty warrior. Yeah, he's not here. This, this guy is just working, hiding, hoping nobody finds him. It says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that I have given you to save Israel out of the Midianites' hands. Am I not sending you? This is where Gideon is going to try to out-talk God. And this is what we do with God. We're going to tell him why we're not qualified. Because we're listening to our inner cowardness. This is when we're going to tell God he got the wrong person. Because of the things we can't do. This is where we're going to start telling God, Hey God, you know what? That's not really a good idea. I know you're looking at me. I know you're asking me. I know you're calling me. I know you left your throne to be here in this presence right now. Be face to face with me. I should have died. But guess what? You're still wrong. Because you got the wrong person. I don't have what it takes. And Moses has the same argument. Exodus 3, 11 says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go? Who am I that I should go? And isn't that the question of identity? Who, who am I? What do I have to, what do I have to offer? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Someone that is edgy, someone that is in authority? Who am I? I can't even speak right. I stutter every three other words. I can't communicate. I have a speech impediment. And you want me to go? And this is where we pretend that our life is where it should be. And God is going to tell us and going to show us that the, the identity that he wants to give us 
is different than what the world has told us who we are. That inner you, that inner coward you, has been developed by people's ways of thinking, of what the world looks of you and thinks of you. And that's always fighting against God. That's always fighting against God's purposes. See, Gideon starts argue, not arguing, but trying to convince with God, trying to have this conversation just like Moses. Verse 15. Pardon me, Lord? Excuse me? Say again? Come again? Gideon replied, But now I've saved, but how can I save Israel? Come again. Are you sure? My clan is the weakest of Manasseh. And I am the least of my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Pardon me, are you sure? See, again, the inner cowardness was wrestling with Gideon. As much as it was wrestling with Moses. Trying to convince him, hey, I'm not strong. You want me to go do something that I'm not prepared for. And you're telling God all these excuses. It's not like God doesn't know you. He created you before the foundation of the earth. He knew you. He knew you in your mother's womb. He knows your defects. See, isn't it like, like sometimes you feel like if God wanted you, for you to do something, he would have made you with that talent for you to do the task that he asked you to do? I have that argument with God all the time. He wants me to do something like, God, you should have just made me smarter. You want me to do this, you should have made me with the ability to do so. Why are you asking me to do something that I'm not prepared for? Why are you asking me? And again, all these struggles goes back and forth. Gideon was wrestling with this. Again, he's seen how the Midianites killed his family, killed his brother. And so his inner cowardness is telling him, hey, God's not going to pull you out of this. God's not going to be faithful. And that's what the inner coward does. That's what Satan did with Adam and Eve. You're not going to die. You're not. God's just not telling you the whole truth. You're not going to, if you eat this fruit, you're not going to die. So what scares you? What scares you to the point where you're having this conversation with God? But see, and it's not you. You're allowing the inner coward to take over you and speak for you. Because that inner coward is the one telling God, you're not ready. You're too young. So what scares you? Because Moses and Gideon is not dating believing God. Of course they did. Moses believed God. It wasn't, God wasn't the problem. I know you love God. I know you believe God has power, right? Do you guys believe God has power? So we, I'm with you. I believe God has power. But you know what struggled me for 17, 18 years? It wasn't God. It was me. 
I know God has a power to open up the Red Sea. I know God has a power to raise up from the dead. But me? What can I do? I lose my keys every day. I can't find my shoes without my wife helping me. Or my kids. I tell them, I'll give you guys some money if you find this for me. Because I really need it right now. See, it's not God. God's not the problem. God's not the issue. It's Jerry's the issue. I'm the problem. I'm afraid of me. I'm afraid that I'm not going to pull through. I'm afraid that I'm going to leave God halfway. That I'm going to give coward. That I'm going to run. I'm the problem. Gideon and Moses, they knew that. They knew God. They knew Yahweh. He wasn't the problem. It was an inner cowardness that was telling them, you can't do it. For Moses, you killed someone, man. You're, you're, you're a runner, runaway murderer. What are you going to do? Go back? What, what, how are they going to receive you? Gideon hiding? He's weak? They, they knew God had the power. Their problem was them. What are you not blank enough? Fill that in. What are you not blank enough? What is it? What are you not smart enough? What are you not funny enough? What, what is it? What are you not blank enough? Judges continues on in this story. Judges 7-2. It says, then the Lord said to Gideon. He's not done with them. He goes back and forth. Gideon goes back and forth with God. And God allows him to. Why? Because it's not the asking God, Am I, are, are you sure, are you sure, that God has a problem with. He knows Gideon wants to. It's okay for you to tell God, hey, I, I have all these questions, God. I have all these concerns. He, that's okay. God can deal with your concerns. He'll work with you. As he was doing with Gideon. Then the Lord said to Gideon, this is finally Gideon says, all right, okay, what do I have to work with? 32,000 soldiers. Sounds pretty good. Uh, okay, maybe this can work out. I'm not saying yes, and I'm all for it, God. But you know what, maybe, maybe. 32,000? Okay, verse 2, verse, chapter 7. Of judges. Then the Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver minions into your hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength saved me. Now announce to the army anyone who trembles and fears may turn back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gideon, poor Gideon, man. God finally got him to say yes. And then his anxiety is kicking back in. 32? You want me to do what? Yeah, if anybody's scared, tell him to go home. Well, of course he's scared. I'm scared. Can I go home? No. Oh, man. But they can, yeah. 22,000 men left them. 10,000. From 32,000 down to 10,000. You continue reading the story, it goes to 300. 300. 
If you, don't, if you thought Gideon was afraid in the beginning of the story, how do you think he's acting right now? As he's losing thousands. He's losing by the thousands. People are just flooding out, saying, what? I don't got to do this? Oh, man, yes. I thought, I, had to, I thought it was mandatory to be here. What, I can go home? And just imagine the thoughts that are going through his mind. Sometimes we trust more in the miracles of God than the God of miracles. Sometimes we want to trust more in the outcome than in the person of God. We're relying so much on what God is going to do than on God himself. We are expecting the miracle to be our answer. It's not. The miracle is not the answer. The miracle is never the answer. God is. God is. See, don't think that when a situation looks impossible, God's disqualified. That's exactly when he works the best. God doesn't get disqualified when things start going upside down. God doesn't get disqualified when things go and start turning, getting impossible. Because that's what he does. When things are so natural, God's like, I don't work in the natural. Haven't you noticed God is never in the natural? Everything that he tells us to do is in what? In the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. See, everything we do is spiritual. Our fights are spiritual. You're not fighting against bad people. There's demons. You're fighting against Satan. That's who you're fighting against. It's not the people. And when I started looking that people are not the problem, and even the problem is not the problem, Satan is the problem, then I fight my battles differently. And when the inner inner coward tell, is telling me, hey, that person will never change. Hey, that person is stubborn. Hey, that church will never do anything. Hey, that just leave them alone. Guess what? It's not me and it's not them. It's the Holy Spirit saying, I still want to do something. And it's not about you. So just listen to what I have to say. And that inner coward, I'm always fighting against him. Because I think I'm trying to disqualify God based on the opposition. And God's saying, when, when was that ever an issue? I created the universe with my voice. You don't think I can deal with this? You think that problem is bigger than me? Then maybe you're the problem, Jerry. And I know it's not you. Is that inner cowardness that we have to get rid of. And sometimes the way forward with God, it may seem to us that we're taking a step backwards. To move forward with God sometimes it seems like we're taking a step backwards. But in reality, God is moving and preparing for our way 
He's preparing us to see victory. Because he's not going to do it with our ability. And he's not going to do it with your ability. Because if you could do it by yourself, then you don't need God. And that was the lesson he was trying to teach Gideon. That was the lesson he was trying to teach Moses. Remember, Moses lived in the Pharaoh's palace. He grew up there. He knew them. Hey, cuz, how you doing? I'm back. Hey, fam, I'm back. Miss me? They're a family. He can't go back to family? No. Why? Why? Because he thought that he was going to convince him with his own ability. And God's saying, has nothing to do with you. And the lesson that he's trying to teach Moses and he was trying to teach Gideon was the moment you think you have something to do with it, you're going to take the credit. You're going to take the credit. Man, I got, I had this problem. I had this issue. But guess what? Everything's okay. I found the answer. How much did you pray? Zero. How much did you trust God? Zero. So then what? It's not a blessing. Everything that goes through our lives as Christians is to give God glory. Everything that happens in your life is to give God glory. God healed me. God promoted me. God pulled me through. God provided. God was there. And the moment you think you did it, that's what took Satan off heaven. I'll become like God. I'll ascend to the Mount Most High. I will be, well, how come I don't get the worship? Because you're not God. How come stuff is not working out? Because your inner cowardness is telling you, just hold on and you'll figure it out. Guess what? We're not that smart. We don't have the world in our hands. God does. And everything we do, guys, is towards that. Sometimes it seems like God is, is, is holding out on us. Why are you making it so difficult? So God can get the glory. Why are you making me go through this so God can get the glory? Verse 18. When I and all who were around blew their trumpets, so God's going to tell them, all you're going to do is blow trumpets and get jars. Gideon's going, God, I hope this works. Because you're going to send me to war to fight with trumpets and jars. Then from all around the camp, blew and they shouted, for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp. At the beginning in the, of the middle watch, after they had changed the guard, they blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. Verse 21, while each man held his position, and that's very key, and that's how we're going to end tonight. While each man held his position all around the camp, all the Midianites ran and they cried out as they fled. 
Those are the things that we see in these stories, how God always pulled through. What I want to focus is verse 21, while each man held his position. While the only time they were able to advance was when they stood ground. When they refused not to run, when they refused not to retreat. They were able to move forward when they stood ground. They were able to follow God's instructions. And as they were blowing their trumpets and throwing their jars, the Midianites thought there was this big army coming towards them and they got scared and they ran. But don't look at the miracle. Look at God behind it all. The way God operates is going to change. But Gideon had to do something. Trust God in the whole process. Wait. Don't run. Don't chicken out. Don't think I'm not going to pull through. You know, church, what I found is that when we get our biggest breakthroughs are when we are holding on. Because those things that have disqualified me from so many opportunities in the world are the same things that God has used to reconnect me with people. My brokenness that has disqualified me as a person, as a friend, and so many relational aspects in the world are the same things that connect me with people in my ministry. And that's the only way how God has ever used me. Is that every, every brokenness in my life, God has restored and God has given me a ministry to be able to fulfill people. Broken people. People looking for God. You know what? We had so many obstacles growing up and trying to meet God that I said man if I'm ever in ministry I'm gonna develop a church I'm gonna have a ministry where people can find God without excuses if you don't want to find God it's because you don't want to find God can't blame the church anymore and what the enemy used to try to break me what the enemy used to try to hurt me. What the enemy used to try to discourage me. What the enemy used as a baggage to try to disqualify me. God used it to bring glory to him in every way possible. And I love, and I'm going to end with a story in Mark 6, 43. As the disciples here, Jesus is feeding the, the 5,000. And a few weeks ago when we were in VBS, we taught this story. And this just really just kind of stood out. Something I've never seen before. Verse 43 says, And the disciples picked up the 12 baskets full of broken pieces of bread and fish. Why would Jesus tell them to pick up the scraps of fish and bread? Why would God tell them to put them in their baskets? 
I thought the miracle was over. I thought the miracle was only feeding the 5,000. And don't focus on the miracle, guys. You focus on the miracle, you're going to miss the move of God. If you're only asking him to do one thing, you're going to miss the whole picture. Because your inner, inner cowardice is going to tell you, okay, he did it, that's it. Move on. Wait, hold on. Hold on, hold your position. Because the story is not over. Later on, you look at that same chapter, verse 45, and it says that the disciples, after him feeding the 5,000 and putting these fish and bread inside their baskets, they went into the boat, and Jesus went to go pray, and he left them. He separated for a small period of time. He says, I'll meet you on the other side of the lake. Verse 45 says that the disciples got on the boat and head on to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind. You keep on reading that story. You start seeing they're in the middle of the lake. It's dark. They think Jesus is a ghost. He's walking on water. There's winds. They're scared. They're terrified. Verse 51 says, Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down, and they were completely amazed. The miracle didn't stop by feeding the 5,000. Jesus was telling his disciples, I want you to keep a piece of my miracle that I did yesterday to remind you when things are getting weary, when things are getting out of control, when you think you can't make it anymore, when there's a storm coming your way, when there's problems, when there's situations, when there's issues, when there's in your, in your house or in your job or in yourself, when that inner coward is winning the war. I want you to remember that I've been there the whole time. I was there feeding you. I will be there in the ocean and I will be there at the end. I will be there always. Jesus has always been there. Jesus is the answer. Jesus will always be around you. It's his church. He says, I will build you, I will build my church to the point that the gates of hell will not win over it. I don't care what your problem is, God could not, God is more powerful than that issue. God is more powerful than your past. God is more powerful than your scars. There is nothing my God cannot do. He's still alive and he's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it was until 2019, 18 years later, and it was March, that I, uh, throughout my ministry, again, this shadow, this inner voice kept on telling me, that I was never gonna get to the place that God wanted me to be. And it was after mom died that I had to go out in the backyard and just walk. And I started walking. We have a big backyard, so I walked a lot. Started walking. And I will go to her window. I'll walk. And in that time of prayer, I had to bury that inner coward. 
in those walks, I had to stop telling myself what I wasn't and accepting what I was with God. You know what, guys? That changed everything. Because it's not for men's applause. It is not the approval of people. It's God. And now, three years later, I'm free. I do not have to worry about one thing of what people think of who I am. I can preach freely. I can talk about God the way God put in my spirit to do so. I choose to be here because I want to be here. We're falling in love with this church. We love to see you guys every week. God's doing amazing things. We don't want to miss out. But you have to let him go. You have to kill that inner cowardness because he will win. We want to pray for you tonight as we sing this song. And our prayer is going to be that if tonight you want to just, you know what? It's time to let him go. Allow God to deal with your inner cowardness. It's time to kill that voice inside of you, telling you you're no, you're not ready for this. You were made for this. You were made for this moment. You were created for this. This is what you're here for. This is what you were made for. This time, this moment, this church, this calling. There's so many people crying out around us for God to save them. And we need those Gideons and those Moses to stand up with our fears and our insecurities and go, God, allow for you to work with all my imperfections. They don't disqualify me. They just put me in the book of everyone else that you used. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm not shameful for what I've done because you pay for it in the cross and now my identity is in you. Use it. Use my brokenness. Use my failures. Use my weaknesses because you'll receive glory every single time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we pray tonight, as we stand in your presence, God, we are holding on, standing fast, saying, God, help us because without you, we're nothing. In this moment, those voices in our heads and in our hearts, we pray against them because that's their enemy. It's, it, it, that's all it is, is the enemy. Because if it doesn't fall in into the purposes of God, is the enemy. And so I pray against those voices that are discouraging us, telling us we're, we're, we're not adequate to serve you and to walk holiness because God, you died for me. So tonight, if anyone is bearing their inner cowardness, I pray that they can come a new person. The old is past, the new is here. A new creation are, is we're found in you. So God, I pray that if someone's praying tonight, you give them a new mind, a new heart. Give them strength to move forward. As we sing, we want 
to surrender everything we have to you. So God, hear our cry. Because I know you sent your son to deliver us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.